when I was a teenager, a few years back, I, um, I knew a man who was a Christian, and he had great difficulty making choices because he didn't feel that he always knew exactly what God's will was. So, what happened was, this man's wife died, and he decided that rather than have to make a choice, what he would do was he would stick to the same thing all the time. So, for instance, what he did was he went to work, and then when he came home, he would go to the fish and chip shop, and he would buy steak and kidney pie and chips and peas, proper mushy peas like they have up north, not the you know, mush that they serve down here. And he would take that home and eat that. On a Sunday, of course, he would make sandwiches because he didn't want to work on a Sunday. He had a particular point of view. So six days a week, the meal he had was steak and kidney pie, chips and peas. And he died of a heart attack. <laughs> because that's all he had. He couldn't make a choice. But he had made a choice, actually. And sometimes, our cho well, always, our choices have consequences. Now, the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because they made a choice. They made the wrong choice. And that meant that they missed the opportunity to go into the promised land 40 years before they actually did. And the consequence was they wandered around and everybody over 20 years of age, apart from Caleb and Joshua, died off. Killed, killed in the harsh environments of the, uh, the desert to just die of old age or whatever. But they, they went. They missed their opportunity. See, I'm not talking about the day-to-day -day things. I'm sure that God is quite happy for us to choose a salad, if we want to have that, rather than steak, kidney pie, chips and peas. He's quite happy for us to have a pudding or a starter. It's our choice. I don't think he's over-bothered about that. There's no great principle about it. But there are certain life choices that we make where it's actually crucial that we make the right choice. And sometimes they can be quite small. For instance... I always found it was the best thing to do when I started a new job. And I, I used to work for a company that meant that I would be going to different customers for maybe a year or more or, or whatever. They'd kind of hire me out as a, I don't know, hire me body, whatever. And um, so I'd go. The first thing I had to do was, well, I didn't have to do, but I would inevitably have a situation which may be a quite a small one where I felt that I had to say that I was Christian, if only just to nail my colours to the mast, so that people knew where I was coming from. It wasn't a big thing. Sometimes, you know, it might be just some conversation or something like that. But there was a principle, and that set the tone, which hopefully was the right tone, not some self-righteous whatever tone, but that I'm an ordinary person, but I am actually a Christian, and... I'm not going to be offended or anything by anything particularly you say, but just be aware. I am. I'm not going to participate in some things. Some things I'm going to do that you maybe wouldn't. Because if I didn't make that choice then, 
I, that would be a problem later on because I'd be ever sort of firefighting and trying to get that sort of situation back. So that was one, that's a small choice. Other ones are, you know, do you want me to move to this place, Lord? Do you want me to go and be a missionary somewhere? Do you want me to stay where I am? Big life choices. So the Israelites have been wandering for 40 years. And Joshua didn't want to make the same mistake, or then to make the same mistake when they went into the promised land. So we're going to read this, um, this passage, which is um, Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 20. And I just want to run through it quite quickly um, and pull out some principles. Right. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that we have to ask, who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and keep his commands, decrees and laws. And then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and to worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. He couldn't have made it more obvious. I give you life or death, choose life. Okay? And I venture to say that if we walk close to the Lord, we will know in our hearts what those choices are. It's the things that crowd in. It's the things that distract us. Other things which may pull us away, that take our eyes away from what the Lord is saying. Make our conscience or our minds and our hearts dulled so as that we don't, we're not sure. Now the Lord's put plenty of things in place to help us to make the right choice. And the right choice will mature us, will help us to grow. Now, first thing is, a few principles. First thing he says to them, now what I'm commanding you today, in other words, the choice I'm giving you between life and death, right, it's not too difficult for you to reach. It's not up in the heavens. You have to be some super spiritual person that just is so in contact with God, floating there, that you know exactly what his will is. And the rest of the mortals can just bow down and say, yes, you're so right. If anyone can do that here, please see me afterwards. I've got a few questions for you. Because we do. We get confused by our own sin by the things that are happening in the world. None of us, as we know, is perfect. So it's not some big super spiritual thing. It's not something 
yeah, we float about and we somehow, in this cloud, say, yes, I know the right choice for this. In fact, quite the opposite sometimes. Sometimes we get in such a way, there's a Dixie Chicks song. You've probably all heard of the Dixie Chicks. Uh, some of the words of the songs are fantastic. And there's one called Taking the Long Way Round. And I often identify with that. Um, I think we all could if we knew the song. But basically it's saying, it'd take me a while, but I eventually got there. And sometimes we hesitate, sometimes we do make the wrong choice. But the great thing about the Lord is that we always do have a way of correcting it. Now it might not be, if we've made the right choice in the first place, it might have been that we got there sooner, we were blessed sooner, what the Lord wants us to do came about sooner or whatever, or differently. But we get there in the end. The Lord gave me a picture once, I remember it as, as clear as anything. And I said, it took me to the edge of a cliff on a big bay. And the bay was full of, it was, it was all cliffs all around. And I needed to get to the far side. And there was like trees and really thick, sort of like jungly type of terrain all around the edge. And I got to the edge of the cliff in my mind, there's a picture. And I just felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, fly, fly to the far corner, fly to, fly to the other side of the bay. That's a long way, I can't fly, I'll fall. And instead, in the, the, the picture that I had, the dream, the vision, whatever it was, I started hacking my way through the jungle, working my way around on foot, going awful long, awful slow. And after a while, I got tired. And I said to the Lord, I can't do this by myself. And so he said to me, I told you, fly. That's the choice. You choose my way or a really difficult, hard way. There's only two ways. There's God's way. There's some other way. And these life choices, you know, I'm not talking about where they have banoffee pie or American cheesecake, New York cheesecake or whatever. We're talking about Big choices. And so I launched myself from where I was, but I'd have got there a lot sooner if I hadn't started hacking my way through the jungle, through the wood and, and everything. And it's like that with us sometimes. We have a choice. And sometimes that choice either seems too difficult, which it often is, but we're relying on faith, relying upon the Lord, not upon ourselves. Or we'll have a lot of trouble we know we will so we get to the second thing you know do you have to cross the sea is it beyond the we'll have to make a big effort to do it well the choice no the choice is a choice we say I'll go your way God I'll go another way we make the choice the choice it always starts here the actions our behaviors are always a consequence of what we decide what we believe what we trust in we say, well, how do I know God's will? Sometimes it gets so, so difficult. It's, it's not that difficult. God is speaking to our hearts. We just need to tune into him. Got a quote here. John Ortberg, a great writer, I think. Um, he's, uh, this is way back, about 1990s, this uh, book was written. It's called God is Closer Than You Think. I don't know if you've read a copy. Um, it's really good because he comes up with a lot of practical things. But he says... A lot of things which 
to sort of blow the mystique of knowing God's will. So God wants to know us, but not in a way that overwhelms us, that takes away the possibility of love freely chosen. In other words, he's not going to force us. God is like a person who clears his throat while hiding, so gives himself away. I like that. Have you found Jesus? He's behind the curtain. He's there. We know he's there. I know God's there. I can, I can, I, yeah. There he is. He wants to be found. And he does. He doesn't want to make it difficult for us. He wants us to walk with him. Okay, move on. The choice. It's pretty stark. It's pretty stark. It's God's way or some other way, like I've always said. And some of those choices may seem minor, but sometimes we know in our heart of hearts, this is actually bigger than I think. There's going to be some consequences that maybe I can't see. And the Holy Spirit is prompting me to say, be careful. Normally, I just go about my business making choices, making the right choice. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So he guides us. And we make the sensible decision. And the more mature we get, the older we get, hopefully, in the faith, the more we recognize the whisper in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we don't even notice it's him. We just go ahead and follow the right path because we become used to walking with him. Equally, if we don't become used to walking with him, then the choices we'll make will become increasingly the wrong ones. One of the first signs of children growing up is that they are able to defer gratification. You know what I mean? So they don't want, give me it now, give me chocolate, 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 you know? You say, if you eat your dinner, you can have a bar of chocolate afterwards. Okay, I'll eat my dinner because I'm going to get a bar of chocolate at the end of it. And so they defer the gratification. You know, it's the sprouts, not the kids. Eat that that you don't like, the broccoli, all the stuff that I never learned to eat. <laughs> yeah? And then get something at the end of it. Defer it. Sign of maturity is that we are able to say, well, okay, I'm going to go through some pain now, but I know, even if it's not till I get to heaven, I will be okay. It will be the right thing. Okay? It will be the right thing. That is a sign of maturity. And, and actually, the very act of going through those things, making the choice that is sometimes the hard choice, the one that maybe gets you ridiculed, the one that gives you more difficulty, but it's the right choice, the one that your conscience tells you is the correct one, the one that the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, that's good, the one that gives you peace even though it's a difficult choice to make. That is the very thing that matures you that helps you to grow as a person, as a character, as a Christian. You know, last week we were talking about sacrifice being part of growth. And the two go hand in hand. Sometimes we sacrifice our own pleasure, our own good. God doesn't always ask us to do that, but we have to be prepared to do that. We were talking about that in our group this week. Give it over to the Lord. We give it over to the Lord. It's his. It's not ours anyway. And he'll do with it as he wishes. But he's not a cruel God. When we were younger, we had an idea of God. 
much younger. We had a, an idea of God that he was somehow cruel and whatever we gave him, gave over to him, he was going to take it. He was going to take away this, that and the other. And if he wants to, he can. I feel that now. But no, it doesn't always. We just have to be prepared like the rich young ruler. Jesus said, give all your stuff away. He couldn't do it. We didn't ask that of everybody. But he knew that was the thing that was getting in the way. If we make the wrong choice, there are consequences of that as well. And sadly, what it means is that we go further away from the Lord. So we're less capable of hearing him. It could be screaming at us eventually and saying, do the right thing. Do the right thing. I tell a little story about me again. So late, late teens, I don't know. My love for the Lord had grown cold. I gave, gave my life to the Lord when I was 16 and didn't proper, have proper teaching or anything like that. I'm not blaming it. But I kind of didn't, wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, wasn't, wasn't walking with the Lord so much in a pretty dead church. And I was kind of falling away from the Lord a little bit. Didn't listen to him. And I was walking down the street one day and I heard the Lord speak to me in a very clear voice. It's the only time in my life I've ever heard a voice. And I really believe the Lord spoke to me in that way because he couldn't speak to me in any other way. He told me to stop what I was doing and come back to him, basically. That voice was so clear. I was, I was walking down in, the, in, in, in semi-darkness down a street in Liverpool and I just passed an alleyway and I went back and looked down the alleyway to see who'd spoken to me. It was as clear as that. Nobody there. And no one had been there because it was as clear as anything. There was nowhere for anyone to hide. I went and repented straight away. As a consequence of that, whenever I hear someone say, the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice, I always think, I wonder what he's been up to. Because <laughs> some people use it as a badge of um, some sort of spirituality. Not always. Anyway. And you'll think that now when you hear someone say that. <laughs> Good judgment wins favour. But the way of the unfaithful leads to their destruction. When we become unfaithful, we end up making bad choices. I'm saying nothing is irredeemable. We know that from the word. We can change our minds and we can repent like I did. But we miss out in the meantime. We miss out on God's best. Again, enter through the narrow gate. Sometimes it is the narrow gate, isn't it? For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. We know those verses from Matthew very clearly. That's talking about salvation basically, but it applies to every major choice we make. When we relocate, do we relocate our house with the Lord in mind? Do we say, I want to find the right church? Or do we want to say, I want to find the right location? Maybe the two are the same thing. I want to find the right job? Or do I want to serve the Lord? Because if we make the right choice and put the Lord first, those other things will fall into place, believe me. Choose life. Stay close to God. Choose what you know in your heart of hearts. 
the Lord is speaking to you about. Clear the decks. Get rid of all those things that get in the way. Sometimes we can take a lesson from the world. I was looking at some uh, self-help stuff. Um, there's a guy called Frank Sonnenberg. Some of you may have heard about. Um, he's, a, he's a life coach, does a lot of stuff. And it's interesting because he put seven points about making choices. I'm going to run through them in about 10 seconds each. But it's interesting to see what he's put because these things I think we can also apply to our lives as Christians. Okay, so let's have a quick look at them. First, manage the big stuff, okay? It's very easy to get sidetracked on little things like steak and kidney pie and chips. It's very easy to concentrate on little things because they're easy to talk about theological differences, to talk about this, that, and the other. It's a gossip. No, let's concentrate on the big things. How does it affect the kingdom of God? Am I walking with the Lord here? Yeah. Values matter. They do matter. We have certain values as a church, as Christians, and they matter because they're witness to the rest of the world. It's the way that God operates. If we don't do it in the way that God wants us to, then we're going to fail. We're going to be less than. We're going to end up with a jumble sale mentality instead of being generous. We're going to end up with um, people looking at us and calling us hypocrites because we made the wrong choices. When we want to be genuine, we want to be like them. Yeah? So values matter. Learn from the past. How many times have we seen things that come and go? Sometimes you see things that happen in church. I can remember things that happened. Now I can remember things that happened 40 years ago. And I've seen them repeated at least twice in the church. There's a great move of God. God's doing a new thing. And it just plummets and then. Now, I'm not saying that these things aren't, some of these things aren't of God, or that some of them, even the ones that I, I can think of now, weren't of God at the time. But sometimes they're perpetuated again. They come back with a different name, and it's the same shaky foundations they're built on. Someone rediscovers something, or discovers something new, opens up new wells, or whatever. And you just sometimes have to look down, sit down and say, Lord, is this of you? And if it is, go with it with all your heart. But we also need to look at the past and say, have I seen this before? Wasn't this something that just crashed and burned? Wasn't this just something of men, of the flesh? Just let, learn from the past. Learn from our own past, but learn from the past generally. Know what you know and what you don't. If you don't know things, if you need to ask people, ask them. We're not all experts in everything, right? We're not all experts in everything. So we need one another. God made us to be part of one another, to be a body. So don't do things in isolation. It'll save you making a bad mistake. Keep the right perspective. View it from every angle. When you're making a decision, don't be hasty. But look at it from the right point. Don't have it coloured by, I really, really want to do this. You know, because it might be not what it might not be what God really, really wants you to do. But you just think, oh, that'd be great. I could be up there. I could be down there. I could do this, do that, whatever. You know? Keep a perspective on it. Keep the right perspective. What does the Lord want me to do? Is this something which will further the kingdom of God? When you make a decision though, in the end, don't procrastinate. When you know it's the right thing, go for it with all your heart.
you rarely have all the information and sometimes we have to take a step of faith almost always with the decisions we do. Procrastination actually is the thing that kills off faith. They're saying, well, <coughs> not quite sure, 100%, I'm not perfect in all this, never will be. So you get the balance between getting as much information as you can, getting things right, seeking the Lord, asking friends, what do, what, what do you think I should do or whatever? But then in the end, then do it. And then finally, once you make a decision, don't look back. Go for it with all your heart. God loves wholeheartedness. Of course, the biggest choice we ever make is to give our lives to the Lord. And that's one we constantly make. Once we've given our lives to the Lord, then we don't take it back. We give it constantly to him. And I just want to finish with these verses. My father's house has many rooms. This is uh, from John 14, of course. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Now, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Then these verses. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The choice is Jesus' way or another way. Right from the start, when we first give our hearts to him, it's his way. And then everything else is the other way. And it's like that through the whole of our Christian lives till the end of our lives. We choose his way. It's not irredeemable, as I say, if we make the wrong choice. But always better to make the right choice in the first place. Amen? Amen. Thank you.